0: Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I want to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast, and I also want to thank you for partnering with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. There's always something new and exciting happening here at REN, so please follow us on social media. You can find us by searching Renaissance Decatur, and you can also connect with us by visiting our website, rendecatur.org. Enjoy the podcast, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Renaissance. My name is Jeff, and I am one of the leaders here. I want to tell a quick story um, before we get to the passage that I, we're going to read today. So um, while you're turning in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll read verses 6 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 6 to 16. While you're turning there, I want to share a story about um, what I was like as a young boy, because I know you're all wondering, right? <laughs> uh, when I was a young child... Back in the 70s, yes, that's a long time ago, um, my parents used to watch this TV show called Heart to Heart on, on network TV. Some people are like, gosh, that dude is old, <laughs> right? Seriously, and all the old people are like, I remember that show, right? But the, the opening scene or the opening credits of this show every week was that the, the, the main character was a self-made millionaire. If you remember that show, that this guy was a self-made millionaire. He didn't come to it, uh, his money from his family. He earned it the American way, by himself, right? By the sweat of his own brow. And I remember as a young boy hearing that, thinking to myself, I too want to grow and be a self-made millionaire, right? I knew my family wasn't going to leave it to me in a will, so I'm going to be a self-made millionaire. And as a young boy, I decided that I was going to go to college. I was eight years old and I was convinced I'm going to college one day. And the reason I'm going to college is to gain this knowledge that is hidden behind the doors of the higher education system. I'll go get my degree, which I've been able to do, right? I got a, I got a four-year college degree in five years. Think about that. <laughs> yes. So I was gonna go get my degree and I was gonna become wealth, wealthy. I was gonna be a self-made man is what I'm trying to say. Still waiting for that to happen, just so you know. But I was convinced that if I could just gain this wisdom or this knowledge, some business practice, some some way to gain uh, status in this life, then I would succeed in this world. I would have the joy, the peace, the happiness or whatever uh, it it was that I thought a self-made millionaire surely had. I'm thankful for my parents for saving and, and putting me through school. Um, There are institutions in the financial world that that support students going to school who can't afford it. It's called student loans, right? I'm thankful I never had to do that. My parents paid my way, which is awesome. Um, But know this, at the end of the day, with all of the knowledge that I've gained, right, with my degree and whatever else, at the end of the day, um, it truly will matter for naught. I'm, I'm happy to have it. I'm glad I have a degree. In fact, I would even argue, I think God would want us to use the faculties and our intellect to learn stuff. I think we should, I think, I think we should strive to learn things. I think we should, we should want to know more than we did the year before. I'm, I'm just one of those people who constantly likes to grow and learn. But I just want you to hear this, that at the end of our days, when we breathe our last, I want you to know that this, this knowledge or this wisdom that we've gained from this world, it truly will not matter when it comes to eternity. There is a wisdom, there is a knowledge that does matter. And in fact, what Paul wants to address today, he wants to talk to the, the people in Corinth. May I remind you, this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Christians who live in a Grecian city called Corinth. He's writing to Christians and he's reminding them of some things. And And I, I lay emphasis on that because I believe that there are Christians in this room. Don't raise your hand. There might be Christians in this room. and And I want us to be mindful of what God has done for us and the wisdom that he's given us through his spirit. And that's what matters for us at the end of our days. See, Paul's going to draw the distinction between wisdom or knowledge that comes from this world or wisdom or knowledge that comes from God. One of them matters to us at the end. One of them, not so much. I think they're both important. I just want one over the other. Yes, yes. So, that being said, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll read starting verse 6. I'll go through all 10 verses. We'll put the words here on the screen. You can follow along. Paul writes, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or world or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away, he says. But we impart a secret For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand these things or the things freely given to us by God. Verse 13, so we impart this, this to you in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, or to those who have received the Spirit, is what he is saying. The natural person, he says, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or like foolishness to him. And he is not able to even understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, again, the person who has the Spirit of God, he judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Huh? Question. But we, he says, have the mind of Christ. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to Christians who are famously debaucherous. What does that mean? Um, think Christians gone wild. (laughs) Everybody gets a t-shirt, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I mean, it's just crazy stuff that the church in Corinth is doing. Believers in Christ, they're doing. And and why are they doing these things? It's because they've, they've, they've misunderstood what the reality of Christ has made available to them this newness of life, this fullness of life, this other passions and pursuit that have nothing to do with debaucherous living or unholy living. It has everything to do with living the way God would intend us to live, the right and good way, the best way. I mean, who who here would say you want to live the best life that God would have for you? I'm the only one. Thank you. (laughs) Although you're wearing St. Patty's gear. I don't know what's happening over there. (laughs) Way to go, Peggy. Thank you for that. So anyways... That's what God wants us to understand. And maybe not just understand it, but remember it. Because maybe some of us have forgotten it. That God has called us to something. He's called us to something. He's called us into that what he wants for us. And, and Paul saw in the Corinthian church, they, they weren't living the way God wanted them to. And God in his great wisdom and love, he sent the apostle Paul to correct them, to rebuke them. Most importantly, to remind them who they truly are. Many in the room today will hear the message of Jesus, possibly for the first time today, and for for you that are here, I'm thankful that God would send you. For the rest of you, many of you are on Team Jesus already, but it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell some days. I I love you. You're really good at doing it when people are watching. (laughs) You've got the the, the outside of that cup polished bright. Everyone who looks at you goes, man, look at that shiny Christian. And yet on the inside, or when the doors are closed and the lights are turned off and maybe everyone's not watching, there's another side to you. I- I'm the only one? No, no, no. It's us. It's who we are. It's okay to, to be honest with ourselves. But Paul, he wants to address this. Those of us that he'll later say in verse 16, that have the mind of Christ. It's a mind that's been renewed by the work of God. It's the mind of Christ. Those of us that have that, we, we just need to remember it. That's what it is. So anyways, we have a little bit of work to do. So let's pray together and we'll jump in a couple verses at a time here. So in Jesus name, we pray. God, thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for everything that you've done Uh, through your son, Jesus, willing to leave heaven, to come to earth in in the form and shape of a man, to live a perfect and sinless life, to then give that life to us as a sacrifice on a cross. God, thank you for raising him from the dead, receiving the sacrifice, and then making available to us new life for us in faith in Jesus. Thank you for that. Jesus, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit that has come to teach us and to lead us, to comfort us, to uh, correct us as well when necessary. And Holy Spirit, we pray that eyes would be opened and ears would be opened so that we could see and hear the truth about you. God, thank you for that. Thank you for your son Jesus, Jesus, thank you for the Spirit. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Paul is talking about wisdom or knowledge. In verse 6, but he says, It's not the, the wisdom of this age. It's not the knowledge of their culture around them, or even of the ruler's of this age it's something altogether different and the reason he draws the distinction between the the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age um, he wants to point to this reality that the wisdom that comes from culture the wisdom that comes from the world around us is doomed he says <laughs> I love that doomed to pass away doomed to pass away now in the church there's this thing called prophecy has anybody ever heard of prophecy right? And if you're in the charismatic stream of Christian faith, it's, it's, we really like prophecy, right? The charismatics love prophecy and prophetic words and give me a prophetic word about my life. And let me just break down prophecy just for a moment. It's, it's how God uses um, unknown things through people who have the gift of prophecy to proclaim things or to tell the truth of something that's going to happen at some point, possibly in the future. So there's this Prophetic telling that something's going to happen. And the reason God uses prophets to proclaim those things is so when said things happen, everyone goes, oh, that's the thing God was telling us about. That's the thing God said he was going to do. And the reason he does that is so no one misses it. So when I read this from Paul, and he says that the wisdom of this age or the wisdom of the rulers of this age is doomed to pass away, I thought to myself, is this a prophetic utterance from Paul the apostle? Is he saying, I see the future and these people are not going to be around. I see the future and this culture is not going to have its impact or emphasis that it currently does right now. Everyone knows that the Romans no longer rule the world, right? Anyways, they don't. (laughs) Trump does. Just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. Where we at? (laughs) This is me treading lightly right here. (laughs) Hey. I I don't know that it's a prophetic word. I believe in prophetic words and all that stuff. I think God is so good to us that, of course, he would continue to give us prophecy today. But I think what Paul has an understanding is this, that even though the church is in its infancy, the church is maybe 20 years old at this time, when he's writing this letter to the Corinthians, even though it's young and still toddling around trying to find its own way, he knows because it's built upon Jesus, he knows because it's built on the, the truth of Jesus, that it will far outlast anything this world has to offer. And I need you to hear that. The things that are built upon Jesus and the truth of Jesus, they will be sustained. And everything else is doomed to pass away. That's hopeful, isn't it? That's hope-filling words to hear. That the things that we build our life upon that are in Jesus Christ will remain and everything else will fade away. Who has things in their life that they would love to fade away? And if it's your spouse, don't look at them right now. Oh, we can't even say that. I can because my wife's out of town. <laughs> but my daughter's here who just reminded me that she's going to tell mom everything I just said. So, anyways. Paul has this this understanding that this thing, this church, this the work of Christ will never disappear. There's a... Uh, there's a story in one of the Gospels, I don't remember which one, doesn't matter, but Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, one of the disciples, and, and he asks Peter this question, in fact, I think he asks all the disciples, who do, who do the people say that I am? And, and they're all saying, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're, you know, a prophet from the Old Testament, blah, 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 and, and he looks at Peter and says, well, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter rises up and says, well, I know who you are, you're, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That, that's who you are who's come to take away the sin of the world. Whatever, he says all this thing. And, and Jesus responds to him and says, he goes, oh, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, my friend. But my Father who is in heaven, and he said, and upon this rock, or that, the truth of that, that, that Jesus Christ, is, or Jesus is the Christ, Right? that he has come to rescue and save and redeem his people. Upon that, I'm going to build my church. And he said, even the gates of hell, he said hell, even the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Paul has this understanding that if it's built upon the the gospel or the truth of Jesus and his sacrifice and resurrection for us, it will never fail. But everything else will. Those things, he says, are doomed to pass away, which is both frightening and (laughs) encouraging to us at the same time. I long for the day that those things that I have not built in my life on Jesus Christ will fade away. Oh, Jesus, come and take this stuff out of my life. Um, For the record, I repent every time I take this stage. You need to know that. I take this very seriously. I never stand up here thinking I've got it figured out. I I go before the Lord and say, I am sorry for breaking your heart this week. I'm sorry for not having faith this week. I'm sorry for thinking these things or seeing these things or doing these things. Right? And yet I believe one day I won't have to say that. One day I only have to like say two things. (laughs) And then maybe one thing. Anyways, I digress. So he says that all of the wisdom, the knowledge from this world is doomed to pass away. But we, he says, verse 7, impart a secret or hidden wisdom from God, which kind of makes me um, cringe a little bit that somehow there's this secret that God is keeping from us. Remember in third grade when somebody would whisper in the, the, the desk next to you and you were convinced they were talking about you? And the teacher would go, now, now, no secrets, no secrets. Why is that? Because we think secrets are bad, that they're negative. I want you to hear when Paul's using this language, secret and hidden, I want you to hear the word mystery, that there's in fact a mystery out there. And mystery just means this, that it hasn't been understood yet. He says the things of Jesus have been a mystery. It's been hidden from the world. This mystery is that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the answer to, the, to what ails the world, that Jesus is the solution for every person. Jesus is the answer to sin, to death, and the grave. Jesus is the answer for eternal life. That's been hidden and mysteriously shrouded in the Old Testament, and now Jesus has come and it has been revealed to us. You know it's no secret Jesus died on a cross, right? You know it's no secret he raised from the dead on the third day. We've been celebrating that for over 2,000 years, just so you know. It is no secret. In fact, in a few weeks, we're going to gather for Easter. We're going to have five gatherings over the weekend, two on Saturday, three on Sunday. We expect over 1,000 people to show up. I promise you, it will be no secret on that weekend. (laughs) We will tell everyone what has happened. What Paul's alluding to is that it's been... It's been hidden and clouded until the time was right to reveal Jesus. Hear me. He has been revealed. He is the Savior of the world. He has overcome death. So anyways, he goes on to say that this secret or hidden wisdom of God, which God has decreed before the ages. Just hear this. It's not an afterthought. It's a forethought. He decreed it a long time ago. Jesus is not plan B. You're welcome. That's amazing. He, he, he knew what we would need before we needed it and sent Jesus from antiquity, right? He proclaimed Jesus would come a long time ago, and Jesus has come. God decreed this from the beginning for our glory, he says, verse 8, but none of the rulers of this age understood this. He said if Rome had understood this, if the Jewish authorities had understood this, they never would have put Christ to the cross. They never would have done it. In fact, Jesus, I think, sums this up best when he's standing, hanging from the cross as they've stripped him, stripped him naked, beaten him bloody, nailed him to the cross as they're casting lots to see who gets to take his clothes home with them. Jesus famously says these words, Father, forgive them for what? They know not what they do. They don't know. And why is that? Because God hadn't revealed him yet but now they know. In fact, there are stories of men who were opposed to the works of Jesus. In fact, were, were part of his crucifixion who came to faith afterwards. There were people who did not follow Jesus, did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, who then became Christians. Jesus had a brother named James. James was not a believer in Jesus. Can you believe that? Like most older brothers, he didn't like him very much, <laughs> right? I'm the younger brother, eh, leave it there. So. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, guess who became a believer? James did. The mystery that had been hidden for the ages had now just been revealed. Guys, I want you to picture this. It is as if the lights in a furnished room had just been flipped on, and now everybody goes, there's the couch, there's the table, there's the bed, there's the everything. It had been there from the beginning, just not been able to be seen. And when Jesus raised from the dead, God flips a light on. The Spirit of God comes and reveals it to everyone. Oh, my goodness. This is good news, yes? Yes, it's good news. We thank you for this. He says, if they'd known this, they would not have crucified him. He says, what no eye had seen, nor ear had heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God had prepared for those who loved him. God even knows those who are going to receive him. We're going to accept the gift of salvation. He knows who is going to love him. Are you one of those? I have no idea. I question it some days myself. Am I one who loves Jesus? And by love, I mean am devoted to him and willing to follow him and everything? A good litmus test for us is from the words of Jesus himself as he's talking to Peter right before he ascends to heaven. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, yeah. And do you love me? Yeah. Three times he asks Peter, do you love me? And each time Jesus or Peter responds in the affirmative, Jesus tells him, well, then feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He, he tells them to do something for them, for the lambs, for the church. He says, do something for them. Jesus even says that if you love him to other people, he says, then you'll keep my commandments. Which commandments? Remember when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? He says, there are two. <laughs> love God with everything you have, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love others like yourself. Do you love Jesus? Well, ask yourself, do you love God with everything, and do you love others like yourself? Because if you don't, then you've got to wake up a little bit. You might, you might think you love Jesus because you've been... Um... All right, I'll say this. I'm not scared of you, just so you know. <laughs> I'm not I I terribly care what you think about me which is a sin in my life I'm a people pleaser by nature and I hate every every ounce of it in my life it stops me short of telling people things they need to hear some days but not today today you need to hear this some of you think you're a Christian because your great-grandfather was a pastor Or you're the third generation that's been going to a church. So you have this Christian lineage that just sort of wove its fabric or wove its way into the fabric of your family. And I'm here to tell you that's not even close to true. It's not even close to true. You become a Christian when the Spirit of God reveals the truth of Jesus to you and you accept the gift that he's given you. It never rides on the coattails of someone who's gone before you. It it cannot ride on on the shoulder or the, the, the purse of your spouse men, you'll never be a Christian because your wife is a Christian. <laughs> and vice versa. You, you make a decision to follow Christ. You make a decision to love Him. And all of this that Christ God has done for us through Christ is, is for those who would love Him. Do you love Him? Verse 10, These things God revealed to us through the Spirit, capital S, Spirit. He says, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. I had a friend of mine who was a single mom and she was raising a teenage daughter at the time and I remember her telling me that she was almost petrified at, at the the life of a teenager. If you have teenage kids or had ever lived through that, the, uh, the experience of having raising teenagers, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this single friend of mine used to say, um, I can't be everywhere with her. I can't protect her and everything. I can't, I can't stop her when she's about to make a dumb decision speaking about her daughter. So she said, I just prayed to God. I said, God, you, you see everything. You know everything. And she's right. The, the Spirit of God sees everything. And she just said, God, I pray that if ever, if ever she breaks a rule, if she, ever she skips class, if ever she lies to me, then you will have to tell me so I will know. And he did. <laughs> this, this friend of mine, her daughter came to me once, and she said, Jeff, I don't know what's happening, right? But every time I do something wrong, my mom knows about it. <laughs> I said, I know. Um, This is also a frightening statement for us who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, those of us who like to live our lives um, shiny and squeaky when others are watching. But when doors are closed and no one's home, we say things, look at things, do things that nobody else thinks we should be doing. I agree we shouldn't be doing them. God wouldn't want us to be doing those things. Hear me when I say this. The Spirit of God searches everything, even the depths of God. This is by no means meant to shame you. But it's to remind you that you are not getting by with anything, even your lack of faith. I think that was for me. He says, verse eleven: For who knows a person's thoughts, except except the spirit of that person, which is inside of him? Uh, Pastor Joe and I were talking about that this week, and. And he said this to me, and it's a great way to understand it. He goes, Jeff, nobody would know what I'm thinking. In fact, no one can know what I'm thinking unless I actually form words, take these thoughts, form them into words, and reveal them to someone else. You'll, you'll never know what I'm thinking until I tell you is what he was trying to say. And I'm like, that, that sounds exactly what Paul is trying to say here. He says, you can't even know what God is thinking. You can't even know the depths of God unless the Spirit of God comes and goes, here's what he's thinking. Here's what he thinks about you. Here's what he's saying about you. Here's what Jesus has done for you. You can't even understand it unless the Spirit of God reveals it to you. Ooh, that's incredible. We have received not the spirit of this world, he says in verse 12, but the Spirit who is from God. And he does this that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. He wants us to understand this stuff. But until a person receives it by the Spirit, they'll never understand it. Now, this might be very helpful for us as we... interact with other people who are not christians in our lives other people who do not have the spirit of god inside of them you guys all have friends or family members that aren't christians right right and sometimes they're sometimes challenging to okay so and you want to say things like just follow jesus brother or just do what Jesus says and blah, blah, blah. And they're looking at you like you're ridiculous. They don't understand it. And and here's why. It's because they don't understand it. (laughs) They haven't haven't been shown what it is yet. Sorry, Joe, you should probably just preach this. But Joe just shared something else with me. He said uh, recently he was at the store and he saw someone leading a blind person to the bathroom. And he said at no point did that person who was leading the blind person become frustrated with them and angered with them because they couldn't find their own way. What, what they were able to do is just serve them and come alongside them and help them get to the place where they needed to go. And, and for you and I, maybe that would be helpful for us. Rather than get frustrated with family members and friends and whatever, maybe we'll just lovingly guide them to where Jesus is until God opens their eyes that they could see. But until then, we're the guides that God has given them. A friend of mine who was a pastor in a church came to me once, he said one of his uh, parishioners, if that's the right language, congregants, I don't know, whatever. One of the people that attended his church came to him and he says, "Uh, Pastor, I work in a warehouse and all the people in the warehouse tell these the the most obscene off-color jokes. And my friend who's a pastor said, oh yeah? Tell me a few. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. (laughs) That's what I would have said. <laughs> That's what I would have said. I'll tell you if they're jokes or not, because I, I know what's funny. So, anyways, and he goes, and pastor, so I told him one day on lunch, I'm sick of it. They need to clean up their language. This is ridiculous. I can't believe these people talk like this. Something, blah blah blah. And my friend, who's a pastor, is appalled at this. Because I said, what did you say to him? He's like, I told him to knock it off. Those people that he works with, they're not believers. They don't know any different. But you know what they know now? You're a religious bigot. You're hard to get along with. You're this, you're that, you're, right? Listen, until they see, we can't hold them culpable to see. And before you stand on something to elevate yourself, neither could you. You are not a believer because you are so handsome or so smart or so whatever. If you're a believer in this room, it's because God chose you by the power of his spirit to reveal what Jesus has made available. All you did was go, thanks for the gift, and opened it. I think the church would be much more effective in the world today if we operated with that assumption that there are a bunch of lost hurting blind people around and they just need a guide to bring them to Jesus. He says the natural person right, the unchristian verse 14 does not accept the things of God or the things of the spirit of God for to them he says they're just folly or foolishness to them And, and no amount of Intellect or persuasive speech is ever going to convince someone otherwise. They're not even able to understand them because they, these things, he says, are spiritually discerned. They'll never get it without the Spirit helping them. Verse 15, the spiritual person, he says, in contrast, here, Corinthians, listen. Christians, listen, he says. The spiritual person, those of you who have the Spirit of Christ in you, they judge all things but himself is not to be judged by no one. What he's saying here is this, is you know the difference now. You know the path of, of the Spirit of God and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, and you know the, the path and of the way of the world and the wisdom of this world. You know the difference now, so choose rightly. Again, our friends don't know any different, but we do. This is why when friends ask us to go out to lunch for tacos, thank you, Thank you. Tacos. Right? And you go with them and they're telling you the woes of their life. We as spiritual people know the direction of, of encouragement to push them. This is why we don't say things like this Well, have you tried having an affair? Maybe that'll help. <laughs> have you tried more drugs? No. <laughs> You're like, What church am I in right now? No. That's, that's why we don't. Why is this? Because he says, you as spiritual people, you know, you discern all things now. That's the way. That's the way. That, that's where Jesus is. We, we, that's all we do. Um, I'm going to wrap with this last verse here. It's for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Question mark. He says we have, because we have the mind of Christ. God has imparted into us the intellect of Jesus Christ. It changes everything for us. When I was um, going through this passage in my study this week... I had a question, I wanna pose it to you now. I actually asked some friends of mine um, this morning as we got together to pray this morning. I said, knowing that it is in fact the Spirit of God who reveals things to people, that there's no amount of persuasion or intellect that could transform someone's life, it has to be a a spiritual thing alone. I said, should we just stop doing it then? Should we stop doing what we're doing? Should we stop planting churches? Should we we stop building a bigger room for more people so they could come and hear the truth and love of Jesus? I guess that ship sailed. We've already wrote the check on that bad boy. <laughs> so the answer is yes, we'll keep going on that one. But I'm just thinking, should we just stop then? If it is the work of the spirit alone. And all of us were in agreement that we cannot stop because we we know the words and maybe you know them too of Paul the apostle who says this. He says that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Our role as guides is to proclaim Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it is foolishness to those who cannot see it yet. But it does not stop us from preaching it. It does not stop us from writing the checks to make bigger rooms. It does not stop us from inviting friends to come. Um, A little over eight years ago, as we were huddled in that back corner room, uh, thinking about how we were going to tackle this great big project, um, we all stopped at one point and came to this room and on this stage that had just been built before the carpet had been laid down, I asked every person here to write down the names of family members and friends that they wanted to come to faith in Jesus. We were crazy, wild-eyed young people thinking that if we'll just proclaim the truth of Jesus, then God will save them. That's all we knew. <laughs> Can I tell you this? God is my witness, Right? Every one of those names that I've written on this platform, all of my buddies from growing up, all of my old bandmates, right, from my rock and roll band. Yeah, that's how you know me. If some of you are thinking, I think I know that guy. I used to play in the bars a lot. (laughs) All of those guys have been to this church. All of them have heard the message of Jesus proclaimed to them. And I, I am so overjoyed by that. And I, do they still come? Some of them do. Some of them don't. Do I care? Of course I care. But I trust Jesus with them. I'm like, I've done my part. I proclaimed, I proclaimed, I preached, if, if that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm telling them which way to go. And it is up to the spirit of God to reveal it to them so that they can be transformed. And I'm like, man, that's, that's not bad, is it? We can do that. We can do that on a bigger scale. We can make a bigger room. We can get, invite more people in and we'll continue to proclaim this thing and watch God in the power of his spirit go saved, 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 redeemed, redeemed, purchased, bought. All of these things and God begins to transform the lives of the people around us. Ah. I'm thankful. I'm hopeful. Anyone else? Yes, I'm done. (laughs) Let's let's pray together. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for having the idea of salvation long before we even knew we needed saved. (laughs) While we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us Christ died for us. Before we even knew we needed saved, he had sent Jesus, the Savior, to rescue us. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth in the form of a man, living the perfect life and giving your life, that, that perfect life, sacrificing it on a cross on our behalf. God, you accepted his sacrifice, raising him from the dead. And then you say these words that if we have faith to believe that Christ was raised from the dead, then we too are raised. We're no longer stuck in the depths of of sin and darkness and depravity, uh, debauchery. We no longer have to be called Christians gone wild. We can be transformed, Lord. You can change our lives. This is not just a message of salvation that you need to hear to become a Christian. This is a message for Christians to continue to live as Christians. You're revealing the truth to us always and forever. God, may we choose rightly. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you um, for the the names of the people uh, that I wrote down eight years ago. God, I pray would you give me more names? It may give, me, give me greater faith to write a 100 names down, Lord. I, I pray even now by the power of the Holy Spirit that there would be faces and names given to the minds of the people in this room, that they would begin to labor in, in, in prayer over those people, that they would come to see that the mystery of Jesus would be revealed to them. God, we want to be a church that proclaims the truth of Jesus and then heralds uh, and then uh, um, applauds those people who accept it and decide to follow him. Help us to be a church that really encourages people to follow after Jesus. Help us to be a church who who knows the, the shortcomings of our own lives and that we must start at the, the, the foundation, if you will, the basicness of Jesus Christ as the basis of everything that we do. My marriage will be better because of Jesus. My, my diet, it sounds weird, I know, but my, my diet can be better because of Jesus Christ. My work, my, my I can be a better neighbor, Lord, because of Jesus. And there's someone in the room now that um, you're, you're not well liked by your neighbor. And um, I just pray in Jesus' name that that, that that change from this moment forward, that you'd be known as someone who loves God and loves others. <laughs> I would ask you this question. Do you want to be right <laughs> uh, or reconciled? So, God, I just thank you. Anyways, uh, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for our time together. We love you, and we pray, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together, we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, please go to rendecatur.org backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves him.